Hey friend, hey, it's so good to see you again. Listen, if you find yourself in a season or space in life that you did not ask for, did not sign up for, had no idea was coming, and you find yourself wading through questions, messy questions, messy emotions in the midst of it all, you're in good company, and today's episode is just for you. In fact, my guest, Lori Wood, is an author who explains her story and shares how she walked through her own divine detour, which is what she likes to call it, and how these unexpected circumstances brought her in to the faith that she has always wanted. And so you're going to find a lot of hope and encouragement in today's episode, as well as some practical things. Of course, you know me, I like practical. Also, I want to tell you guys a big fat thank you. You, my listeners, are literally the best. We just hit the charts in Thailand this last week. Yeah, We were number 174. Not too far away from Joseph Prince and Joel Osteen. Whoop, whoop. And we are the, the whole thing is to hit the charts in a country, you have to be in the top 200 podcasts in your category. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of podcasts in the world. And our category, the faith-based category, is actually the most saturated. So it's the hardest to chart in that category. So this is our fifth country that we have hit the charts in. So I just want to tell you, thank you. When you share podcast episodes or post them on social media, that is what pushes it around the world. So you guys are my superpower. I'm just so grateful. Also, if you haven't checked out my merch line, I just launched a bunch of new items for the spring, all designed by yours truly. There's t-shirts, there are water bottles and mugs and tumblers and all kinds of even stickers and a little bag. Super cute designs for the spring you'll love. javawithjenmerch.com. Just go in under the categories and hit spring. That's javawithjenmerch.com and find the spring category. Also, you can hit the tab in the corner of the menu to order some Java with Jen coffee and that the purchase of the coffee benefits missions. So it's a win, win, win. So you guys are amazing. Just wanted to share the happy good news. And I'm excited that, um, today's episode is going to give you some life. Okay, let's jump in. You're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Whether spring is upon us, New Year's is around the corner, or fall is on the horizon, we always have a reason to be digging through our closet and updating what we have to wear. But for a lot of people, it just feels a little rude going in the closet and looking at clothes that you just don't know what to do with. Many of the women I've worked with don't know how to choose clothes that will flatter their body or capture their style. And so she finds herself defaulting to jeans and a t-shirt or better yet, hmm, yoga pants. Listen, if that's you, your frustration is valid but I have a solution for you. You guys know I love fashion and it's because I've worked with over 9,000 women and have seen them come out of their shells and make sense of their clothes and feel not only amazing, but like they found themselves. Learning the basic skills to help their outsides match their inside awesomeness is something that changes your life. If you want help in this area, go visit jsamuelstyling.com. That's J. 
samuelstyling.com and click the link to check out my less than two hours workshop where I drill down to the most essential information that you need to have a total style transformation in bite-sized pieces. You'll be surprised how some simple keys can unlock so much revelation and confidence in your closet. So go again to jsamuelstyling.com, tap the link that says check out my workshop and grab the workshop for less than the cost of a new pair of jeans and experience your own style upgrade while you ditch all the closet overwhelm. Let me help you find the style you'll absolutely love. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining me today at Java with Jen. I am here with a a sweet guest of mine who has demonstrated so much grace and patience with me. I've had to reschedule on her a couple times, but Miss Lori Wood is an author and has a really powerful story about how the Lord, um, I don't know if you can say the Lord interrupted her life, but life interrupted her life and the Lord interjected himself in that process. And she shares with us a story of how a diagnosis of heart disease and some other hurdles that she uh, that she hit and kind of roadblocks that she hit in her life that were not what she was anticipating, uh, brought her face to face to asking some difficult questions of the Lord and digging deep into exactly what uh, she believes about the Lord. And the way she says it is that when life throws these detours at you and uh, how the things that you never expected can bring you into the faith that you've always wanted. I know I didn't say that right, Lori, so you're going to have to say that for me. But Lori, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Absolutely. Okay. So Divine Detour, what's the subtitle of your book? That's the name of it, Divine Detour. It changed a couple of times, but the subtitle is The Path You'd Never Choose Can Lead to the Faith You've Always Wanted. Wow. I love that. That's so, uh, that's a very intriguing subtitle, which of course is the whole point of it, but, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. So why don't you share a little bit about yourself for my listeners who are unfamiliar with you and, um, just maybe, uh, your family, where you're at and all of those kind of things. I am a mother of three adult children and they're young adults. One of them's married. So I have one son-in-law and I just became grandmother to a baby about a year ago. And so that's a new role for me. And I live in Bentonville, Arkansas. Okay. And we've been here for about 30 years. So. Wow. So you're a Arkansasite. What do they call y'all? What do they call you guys? (laughs) You know, it's hard to say because I grew up in Kansas. So Uh the whole Arkansas, Kansas thing, I think they call us Arkansas, but Arkansas, or Arkansans, but Arkansans to me sounds like Kansans, which is what I was natively, but you know, that's, that's hilarious. Well, thank you so much for coming. And I love that now three grown kids. That's a season of life. I'm not in yet, but my kids are almost all teenagers. So I, I feel it drawing close and it actually makes me very excited. It's a, yes, it's a great time. It's also a really challenging time. I think I learned more about God's relationship with me during that parenting early adult phase than I did any of the time while they were growing up. Oh, wow. I Well, and that's one of the things I feel like when I had kids, it kind of opened my eyes to the Lord as my father and taught me so much about him. So if there's even more, that's exciting. <laughs> it is. That's really cool. So why don't you kind of dive into your story a little bit? My listeners that, uh, you know, we, we love to kind of hear how the Holy Spirit's hand in people's lives 
takes them through their journey and all of us have a unique journey, but I do believe there's principles that we can learn from one another. We all, we're all a body and we all play our part. And if we lean in close enough, what you have to offer becomes a key for my own freedom and my own healing. And so we want to lean into your story and hear kind of how the Lord partnered with you through your journey. Well, it all started about seven years ago. I still had kids at home. I was very active and it was actually Thanksgiving week. So I was doing all the things I had uh, some still at home. I had some coming home from college and I just wasn't feeling great. I wasn't, you know, flat on my back or anything. I was still trying to accomplish what I needed to do, but I knew I wasn't at my best. And so I put off going to the doctor for a couple of times. And by Friday after Thanksgiving, I knew I had to go in. I thought maybe I had the flu or maybe I had pneumonia. I had never had that. And immediately my doctor took a chest x-ray and found that I had a very enlarged heart and that my heart was functioning at just 6%. Oh. And this was a shock to, he was, he's our family doctor and he had delivered babies for us. And he just, he did everything for us. Wow. And so it was a shock to him. It was a shock to me because I had low blood pressure, low cholesterol, I had no risk factors. I had no family history. And to make it even more uh, confusing and confounding, three weeks before I was in there to see him, I had a medical evaluation that they did for a life insurance policy. And they said, wow, you're in sh such great shape that you have less than 3% chance of ever developing heart disease in your lifetime. Oh, wow. And I thought, well, that didn't surprise me because- if I had listed all the health concerns I had for my life, heart disease wasn't even on the list. We just didn't have that. And so when I ended up hearing heart failure from my doctor, and then he put me in cardiac ICU and I stayed in ICU for two weeks with, you know, defibrillator pads stuck to my chest and a crash cart right outside my door. And things just sort of spiraled downward. I, I knew that, um, you know, I was <laughs> sick, obviously, if I was in ICU for that long, but I didn't understand what was happening. And yeah. the doctors were very confused too, because I didn't have any of the indicators that they kept retesting me to make sure that that was what they were seeing. Well, they didn't think I'd leave the hospital and I ended up obviously leaving the hospital and then I left with an external defibrillator life vest mm -hmm. and I wore that for nine months and they were trying to give my heart enough time to heal and, you know, uh, recover as much as it could and be able to function without that. But I wasn't getting any better. I ended up being flown to Cleveland clinic, which is the top heart hospital in the nation mm -hmm. and became my doctor's most critical patient for a year and a half there. Wow. And she, she actually wrote the forward to my book, but she later told me that my heart was the largest heart she'd ever seen. Oh, wow. And, you know, so much of this, I was protected from, did not know, didn't understand the severity of it, but I did know that I wasn't getting any better. And mm -hmm. so for 16 months, really nothing happened. I did all the things they told me to do. I took all the medication. i wore the life vest and then eventually had an internal device implanted. Uh, people were praying for me around the clock mm. and 
I, nothing was happening, but I was alive, which was a little miracle in itself. And then 16 months to the day from the day that I was diagnosed, I came down with appendicitis and no one wanted to take my appendix out because my heart was so weak. And they decided to test it one more time to see where my heart function was at. And they found that I was functioning at near normal. Wow. So I was as shocked to hear that as I was when I heard that it was at 6% because I, I still had no idea, hmm. but I, I thought that was the, my story. Then I thought my story is the story of healing and answered prayer. And I was ready to tell that story. And I started to tell that story. And then three years ago, my heart function dropped and I was in active heart failure again. Hmm. So I have been on this up and down physical journey and that has been a story in itself, but the book is really more about the faith journey that went along with that physical journey. And so um, during that time, uh, a lot of things came up in my faith that I had had all my life. And so I started to really uh, dig into that in ways that I hadn't before. Yeah. Wow. I can imagine. So I feel like you, I noticed that, uh, in, in our conversations and, and even some of your content that you have online that asking God, the hard questions is kind of a theme that really emerged from your journey. And you just mentioned it just now. So why was this specifically something that hit your radar? Did, um, I mean, if you grew up with a faith, did it feel, you know, was there a belief that you couldn't ask God hard questions or was there a belief that that was somehow a lack of faith to not just trust and walk, you know, or where did that come from? Well, I think it comes from, it may come from just the culture that we're in, or it may come from my personality or maybe having my personality in the culture we're in. But <laughs> um, I think women, especially though, wrestle with this feeling of being afraid to ask questions because we get this feeling like asking questions means we're not capable, that we're not prepared, that maybe we're not the person for the job. And even as long-term Christians, we, I, I was embarrassed, honestly, to be that far into my faith. I grew up in a Christian home. I raised my children in the church, very active, had been on uh, summer missions for 10 years, teaching adult classes. So many things were involved there. And I was embarrassed to be at that point in my life and have such basic, basic faith questions going on. And I think our tendency is to, you know, like moms sometimes do, if there's a, if there's an issue, and I probably did this with my kids when they ask a faith question is to put a bandaid on it, right? Let's just cover it up. It's a little boo-boo. We'll cover it up. And we put band-aids on like, you know, trust God or choose joy or some other phrase mm -hmm. and try to just make that nagging question or that thought go away. But I think all moms know that band-aids don't really heal the wound under there. Yeah. It it takes our attention away from it for a minute, but it doesn't really heal what what that wound needs and what our questions need is for that band-aid to come off and for us to Exposure. give it sunlight and air and place to breathe. And so that's where 
I found myself is I think I had been covering up questions mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit afraid that I didn't know the answer. Mm -hmm. And so if I didn't know the answer, I didn't really want to ask the question. I didn't want to go down that road. And in a sense, I may have been trying to protect God a little mm -hmm. bit and saying, eh, I don't know how this is going to turn out. It might not turn out well, so I'm not going to go down that road. Yeah. So I, I really avoided questions in general. And that was something that was a real turning point in this journey is I started to really embrace those questions. Wow. That's, you know, it's as you're talking, like I'm thinking even through my own uh, difficult journey, I feel like I'll, we'll call it the dark night of the soul. When you just go through that, that journey that brings you to the end of yourself and makes you question everything you've always built your life on. And, and, uh, I've, I'm going through, I'm teaching this book actually at church called emotionally healthy spirituality. And he talks about the dark night of the soul and how one of the byproducts of walking through those seasons is that's where we ask the dark nitty gritty questions that we've always been afraid to give our attention to, but that part of being emotionally aware or like having self-awareness and, and walking really in the truth of both who we are and who God is and knowing God more deeply that asking those questions and not being afraid to take the bandaid off and, and bring exposure to that wound rather than hiding it and covering it, but bringing exposure to it and letting the sun shine on it, letting the air breathe on it, letting yourself look at it and be like, Oh, wow, we really deal with that. You know, like bringing that exposure allows us to begin to walk in emotional health and deal with those things that maybe we weren't being dealt with because they've been covered. And so, um, I feel like that as, as messy of a process as that can feel, it's so, so important. And it's such an important part of, uh, our Christian maturity. And, and when I walk through a dark night of my soul, I remember as a pastor, I remember leaning into one of my fellow pastors and I was like, I need you to pray for me. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm rewriting my Christianity. And I was like, I'm not questioning who God is. And I'm not questioning that I love him, but all the theology that goes with it, it's all up in the air. And I'm asking all the questions, you know, and, uh, but it never, it drove me deeper into the heart of God. It didn't drive me away from the heart of God. And so is that something that you feel like you discovered God in a way that you never had before? Yes, for sure. I, you know, one of the things that I think people do when they, you know, these questions kind of nag at us um, throughout life, but when you get thrown on a detour, when your life gets completely rerouted when you're in the dark night of the soul, mm -hmm. those questions demand to be answered. Yeah. And you can do one of two things when that happens. You can either take this faith that you've built and put it on a shelf and carefully protect it and walk away from it and say, I'll come back to you mm -hmm. when this is all over and I'll use you. Or you can get it off the shelf and wrestle with it and poke it and prod it and really examine it. And what I found was that if I were to put it on the shelf, which I did for a little while and walk away, that's when I was in the danger of losing my faith mm. because I was leaving it and walking away. But when I got it down and I wrestled around with it, and when I was contending with God, I was strengthening my faith. When I was saying every morning, when I would get up and I'd say, where are you, God? How long? Why? I was still connected to God. Mm -hmm. The other alternative was just to go, eh, forget it. And yeah. so that was what 
was kind of an aha to me because so much of my life I had spent protecting the questions like, I don't know the answer, so I'm not going to ask them. They might not turn out right. And what I was missing was that by asking them, like you're saying, by asking them and really refining and chiseling down on your faith, that's when you get stronger. And, you know, I think about you know, something Peter said in John, uh, he, we, we think that, you know, we're, we're choosing God again and again, but everybody goes through hard times, whether they're believers or not, right. You get cancer, you get heart disease, you have a car accident, whatever it is, there's trouble, whether you're a believer or not. But what Peter said was to whom shall we go? Because you Jesus have the words of eternal life. Mm -hmm. And so we have that choice when we're asking those questions, everyone asks them, but we have the one who has the words of eternal life. And that's where that contending with God. And we get down to the very basic, we scratch all that stuff out of the way and get Mm -hmm. down to the core of what it is. And we find Jesus and we say that you're the one that has the words of eternal life. Yeah. Now, what would you say? Because I know that sometimes like when we're in that place of asking those questions, that's a really vulnerable place. And Mm -hmm. I feel like just as much as the Lord knows that the enemy knows that. And I, and I found that in my wrestling, I found this, this process of feeling like the Holy spirit was connecting me to answers, connecting me to people, showing me scriptures in a different way I hadn't seen before. But at the same time, the enemy was right there also trying to speak his lies that would bring confusion or uh, often he would try to just get my eyes focused on myself and self-pity and um, you know, just regret or things like that. So how did you guard that space of asking those questions while keeping it authentic, like keeping it safe, but keeping it authentic and allowing it to be as messy as it needed to be without it putting the wrong stuff in. Mm. I don't know that I did that intentionally. I, maybe the spirit was protecting me a little bit, but I think what happened to me was I found myself in this hard place and I resorted to some of the very basic questions. And when I wasn't getting any answers for 16 months and things were getting worse and doctors were giving up on me, I thought maybe God's not there. Mm. Maybe I've been wrong all my life Mm. and he's just not there or worse. Maybe he is there and he's not listening Mm. or even worse than that. Maybe he's listening and he doesn't care. Mm. And so I really leaned into those because I thought I haven't been a Christian for this long to just give it up that easily. I'm digging in and I'm going to find out, I'm going to find out what, what's going on here. And so I really leaned into those questions and it was kind of a risk because I didn't know what that was going to do. But at that point, I was those 16 months when I wasn't hearing from God, I was kind of felt like he was giving me the silent treatment. And so as we sometimes do when we're throwing a fit, I gave him the silent treatment right back. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, I really wasn't praying very much. I was having a hard time, you know, studying. I was having a hard time hearing from people about faith things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I learned was that when you're in those temporary 
detours where you, it's like something has completely upended your life Mm -hmm. and you're in that triage mode that it's okay to borrow words Mm -hmm. temporarily because that's your lifeline to God. And it, it looks different for everybody. Sometimes during that silent time with God, I had other, well, I always had other people praying and I still do. I have prayer chains where people were praying around the clock for me. And that kept my faith alive in sort of a way that I can't explain. But I knew that if they believed as much as they believed, Mm. then I needed to give it another chance. And then eventually I would borrow words from like the Psalms. There's so many Psalms of lament. I think about half of them are Psalms of, yikes, this is, yeah, (laughs) this is awful. And so I would just read through that. But even before I could get to that, sometimes I feel like we're in a hard time. We're in this uh, ditch and it, the scripture just feels too rich. It feels too pointed. It feels too hard. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes during that temporary time, it's okay to read books from other people that you know and trust and you trust their, their Christian voice, Mm -hmm. somebody that's been in a situation or somewhere similar, you can start there and read. There's a lot of blogs and books and a lot of different uh, prayer applications and Bible study plans where you can use the words of someone else who suffered and still stay connected to God. Because you, sometimes it's just hard for you to say the words that you're feeling at that yeah. time. Yeah. And then at the weird, maybe the weirdest one was when I was just completely in that hard space Sometimes all that could penetrate through my heart was mm-hmm. Christian music and I could hear the yeah. lyrics of that and it made a difference and it seems so small, mm-hmm. but it was just this little lifeline. Mm-hmm. It was a little tether. I was holding on yeah. to God. I was holding on to my faith and I was borrowing words from anywhere I could get them. And that kept me close enough that as I'm questioning and contending with God, I was staying in the game and I wasn't walking away. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how, like, I feel like, like when I went through my process, like a lot of my prayers just were like, help. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. all I could come up with was help. Like, I just don't even have words. I'd pray in tongues maybe because I didn't know what else to pray or I'd go into worship, you know? And like you said, like worship, worship was soothing as opposed to confronting you know what I mean? And, and I, and it was amazing because sometimes I would get hard on myself for, for not exercising the regular spiritual, because I'm, I was still in community. I still, I knew that in my process, I had to stay attending church because I was like, even if I'm wrestling, I at least need to be in an environment where the word is going in, even if I struggle with it. And, uh, you know, I was a pastor through all of this, mind you, (laughs) you know, and people are still coming to me for counsel and I was like, oh, sweet Jesus, give me grace, you know? Uh, but I also, I also disconnected a little bit for a while because I was like, I'm just not in a space to speak into people's hearts because I'm wrestling through too much, but the Lord was so kind. And, and I found that he would just meet me where I was. And when I would get hard on myself, the church is doing a church-wide fast. And I just didn't feel like I had the capacity to fast. I didn't have the emotional strength to offer that physical 
uh, starvation or that physical demand. And, and the Lord would come to me when I would get hard on myself that I wasn't leading small groups or I wasn't doing this or wasn't doing that. And the Lord would just say, Jen, you're in healing. You're in healing. The time will come you're in healing. And he was just so gracious in that season to offer, offer me the safe space to process those questions and, uh, and wrestle through those things and, and bring people who would, would encourage me when I needed it the most. And so I say all that, I mean, I know you relate because it sounds like that's a lot of what you walked through, but I say all that even for my listener who, if you find yourself in that dark space or that place where you're wrestling through those questions, it's okay. Like it's, it's, it's okay. And it's actually a really important part of your journey. I think there's wisdom in making sure that as far as you're able, making sure you still have the truth coming in some way and that the, and that you're not, I, I knew one person who, whenever they'd have a hard time, they'd feed themselves with music that was very depressing and about death and suicide. And I was like, ah, it's probably not wisdom. Don't put that <laughs> stuff in when you're vulnerable, you know? And so put stuff in that's going to guard you. Um, but so what would you say, what mental space did you land in, uh, when you found yourself able to finally move forward, uh, and into peace, like there comes a point, And I kind of wanted to mention this earlier too, when we're in the middle of asking those questions, there's this, I'm finding more and more, especially since walking through that, there's this ever present dichotomy in the kingdom of God. Where it's like, on the one hand, he says, die to yourself and lay down your life. But on the other hand, you have a responsibility to have boundaries and guard your heart and, and only be responsive to what the Holy Spirit is asking of you. Right. And so, um, you know, you've got this dichotomy, ask the messy questions, but at the same time, the mystery of God will always be there. And there will always be some questions that on this side of eternity, we don't have answers for. And so how did you end up making peace? especially given that there were probably some questions that you maybe didn't actually find answers to, where did you land that allowed you to move forward out of that place of wrestling? One of the things you said was really key. I think is that when we are wrestling with God, he's given us space. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that space is just silence. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't hear from him in that wrestling time. And that can feel very much like we're being abandoned or that we're being ignored. And what I found was that sometimes God is doing the most in those silent times. Mm -hmm. I wanted to believe that he was humming with his fingers in his ears and ignoring me, but he was actually doing the most during that time that he was silent. And he was doing a few things in my heart, but one thing that I learned in that silent period that got me to a stronger faith is that I realized that the power of prayer is not really in getting an immediate resolution. Mm. That's what we want. We want to be able to pray for someone and them to be healed. We want a relationship to be restored. Uh, we want the dream to come back online whatever it is, we would love an immediate resolution. But what the value of prayer is, is in building this relationship. It's in the back and forth that you're doing with God, whether that's a question or a lament or a complaint, even you're establishing a relationship. And something my husband said early on when I was still in ICU is he said, you're trading what you can't keep 
for something you can never lose. Mm -hmm. And what he was telling me was that our bodies aren't designed to live forever. And we know that. And we do everything we can to prolong them and keep them healthy, which is super important. But also we know that we can't keep them. And so by not getting an answer, by not getting an immediate healing and walking out of that ICU that first week, I came to the realization that what I really wanted more than my physical heart to be healed. What I really wanted was this relationship with God that I knew I could never lose. And so sometimes those pauses or those silent times can produce a perspective that we wouldn't get any other way. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen. I didn't come to that conclusion that first week or that (laughs) first year, but it's something that you eventually learn throughout dealing with something that's ongoing. But that pause um, really allowed me an opportunity to write because I would never have taken the time to write in a safer, healthier life. I, I I was not on this track. And so he provides a way when we can't see a way. And so that was something that really was kind of an aha moment to me as I had this idea the way my life should go and I had it on my GPS and ready to roll. And I got off on a detour. Yeah. I didn't want to, but I was directed off on this detour. And that detour was the key to me having this stronger faith. And it was also a key for me to open up that avenue to be able to share it. And so I couldn't have orchestrated that. I couldn't have foreseen it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just so grateful that uh, that's the way it is. Right. That's so good. And now you've mentioned a couple times and I want to pull this out just because on this podcast, we talk a lot about the role that hearing God's voice plays in our journey. Now you've mentioned how it actually felt like silence. And so, but, but we both know that Holy spirit never abandons us or stops leading us even in those times that feel silent. So Sometimes hearing God's voice looks really different and it doesn't look like hearing his voice. Literally, it can look very different. So how would you say in looking back, you saw God and the Holy Spirit still guiding you, still speaking to you, still leading you, even though it felt like silence? What was laid on my heart during that time was really this need to question. I had avoided questions Mm. all my life. And when this came about, I think the Holy Spirit was saying, go ahead and ask him, go Mm. ahead and ask him. He's not afraid of it. Ask him, ask him, say it. And, you know, it's like when we have teenagers and they, or I did it as a teenager, you go in and you slam the door and you (laughs) leave your parent out and you don't talk to them. The, what the parent wants more than anything is for that door to open and they don't care what comes out of the child's mouth. Just talk to me, talk to me about anything. And that's how God was, but I was not doing that. And I was not seeing that at the time. And so I think the Holy spirit was working on my heart saying, ask your hard questions, say your hard things and just don't slam that bedroom door. Mm, Yeah, that's really good. I like to, I like to, I love, I love to pull out in people's stories, how a lot of times we get stuck on how to hear God's voice, that it looks one way. And even like last night, Mm -hmm. I asked one of my sons, I was like, on a scale of one to 10, how comfortable would you are? Would you say that you are in, in knowing that you're hearing God's voice? And he was like, 
yeah, I never hear God's voice. And, but I know him and I know he does, but he's expecting it to look like this audible voice in his ear, you know? Mm -hmm. And if we get stuck on expecting God's voice to look or sound one distinct way, we're going to miss the plethora of other ways he speaks to us. As, as parents, we do that with our children. One glance across the room with a stern, I'm giving you eyes. And the kid knows they're hearing your voice in their head because of the face you're making. Right. And so the Lord speaks to us in lots of different ways. And, and I feel like the Lord's hand was like you just described so apparent in your journey of asking questions and, and leading you through that process. So um, real quick, we've got just a couple minutes left. What would be one practical application that you would give your younger self? And maybe we can make this our life hack for the episode as well. What would be one practical application that you'd give yourself looking back? One thing that I would say is that, and this would be for whether you're in, in your spiritual life, in your physical life, in your job, whatever, is expect bad days. Mm. And that seems like uh that's, that's backwards. You know, you should expect a good day, expect everything to go right. But I have an essay in the book that's called expecting bad days. And what happens is if we don't expect bad days, then when something happens, that is bad, it feels like a sucker punch, right? Like we were not prepared. We thought life was going to be perfect. And scripture doesn't tell us that. And I love, especially the book of Ecclesiastes, because you know, that book almost didn't make it into scripture. They debated it for a long time because it's sort of pessimistic and it's sort of a different flavor than the rest of it. And I love that it, that it's in there because it tells us how life really is. And to me, it validates the rest of scripture because it's given us the whole picture. And my doctor told me that early on, she said, you know, you're going to have heart failure for the rest of your life. So you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. And you're going to be aware every day of your life that you have this. And I left that appointment and I was kind of mad at her because I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to say, I'm going back to the way my life was and it's going to be fine. And I'm going to grow old and all of these things. But when she told me that I thought about it. And then the next time when I couldn't do anything for a day because I was so wiped out, Mm -hmm. I thought she's right. Mm-hmm. I believe her now. She's gained my trust. And that's what we do with God when we're reading in places like Ecclesiastes and Job and other places where we realize life's not always going to go great. Mm-hmm. Well, he yeah. told us that. And so I think one of the things we do real practically, real quickly, is that uh, we were visiting a zoo one time and came across this really haggard looking creature. It was, I did, I wasn't sure what it was. It was, it looked like its hair was all falling off and it had its head hung low. And we were at the end of a vacation and I was exhausted. And I remember looking at that creature and telling my husband, that's how I feel. Mm. And we were reading the little signs and it said muskox. And I don't know if anyone loves a muskox and apologies if, if that's your spirit animal, but, <laughs> but that became our buzzword. And now when I know I'm going to have a bad day, I just tell my husband, you know, it's, it's going to be a muskox day. Uh-huh. And he's like, he gets it. He's like, I got it. I I'm with you. I understand. Um, no expectations. And so just to have something like that, that you can fall back on and yeah. say, I'm not my hundred percent today. Yeah. That's so good. I know that, uh, I know that, that they say that you're the, 
the measure of your frustration in life is the space between reality and your expectations. And if you can minimize that space by bringing your expectations down closer to what reality will look like, while also leaving some room for God to do what he does, which is to break all expectations, then, then you can minimize your frustration. Okay. So muskox having your keyword that kind of gives the signal like, Hey, this is one of those days. And so in looking back, you would say, Hey, just lower, lower your expectations. Now that doesn't eliminate obviously making room and holding faith and space for God to move. Right. Right. I think there's, and, and I talk about this a little bit in the book, there's a lot of times where we try to just be mutually exclusive on things, but mm -hmm. I think it's okay to hold reality and hope together. And it can be a both and thing instead of a choose between the two. And that's finding that balance between not having expectations that crush your soul and also giving, like you said, God room to work and his room, room for him to show his glory is the key. And that just takes time to find that balance. Yeah, that's so good. Well, and I love to, a lot of times people think that having faith for something means that we have a picture and an expectation in our head of how it's going to be. But according to Hebrews, having faith is just that believing God is able to do what he's promised. And so I can, like you're saying, hold both. In fact, fact, Ecclesiastes, I think chapter seven and chapter eight is really good about saying, he says that, Hey, neither be overrighteous and wear yourself out, nor be, uh, be overzealous and, or over, uh, overworldly and destroy yourself. But he said, in fact, a man of God will avoid all extremes. And so there is this space where we can hold space for the hope of knowing God is able, but we can also dance with the reality of what we have to work with and be like, you know what? this is what it is. And I'm just going to make the most of it. And so, yeah, there's, there's, I feel like maturity is found in that place. That's probably why we have to walk through these things to, <laughs> to find that. Yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> oh. Okay. So for anyone who is listening, obviously you guys know, uh, you can tell that Lori has just a lot of wisdom around these topics and she's really wrestled through those things. And, and when someone has walked through that, they come out with some real, some gold and some, some gems that can really be life to you and maybe help you in your own journey. And so if you want to connect with Lori, uh, Lori, how can they find your resources online? I have a, a resource that I created that's sort of born out of that time where I was having that silent period with God and I refused to give up and just dug and dug and found. And if someone's in that place where they need to borrow words, mm -hmm. this would be perfect for them. And it's called uh, five prayers and promises when you can't talk to God. Mm -hmm. And anyone can download that free at my website. And that is at laurianwood.com slash hope. Okay. And if anyone's interested in the book, Divine Detour, The Path You'd Never Choose Can Lead to the Faith You've Always Wanted, that is available anywhere that books are sold. And also, um, you can find out more about that at laurianwood.com slash books. Okay. Excellent. And I will put those links in the show description notes as well. And so, um, Lori, thank you for taking the time to come and share your story. I know we just scratched the surface and, and I know there's a lot more to be unfolded from, from what you gleaned from that season. Um, but I just appreciate you taking the time and sharing your wisdom on here with my listeners. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. 
Absolutely. Well, you guys make sure that you are subscribed to Java with Jen so that you don't miss any episodes that we have dropping. Uh, we have, we've just ha experienced some incredible guests and Miss Lori is one of them. Also, you guys need to know, uh, Java with Jen was on the charts this last week in Thailand. And in fact, not too far away from where I was charting was Joseph Prince and Joel Osteen. So that was kind of exciting to see. Um, so thank you guys for listening and sharing. That's how the podcast is growing and getting around the world. And so thanks you guys so much for that. Also go check out the Java with Jen merch store. I dropped about 17, 16 or 17 new uh, merch designs that are all built around the spring. There's a lot of florals, a lot of really fun designs, bright and neutral and all the things. So javawithgenmerch.com. And then you can find the category that says spring and that's the new spring line. And so go check that out. Otherwise, you guys, thanks for rating, reviewing and sharing the show with your friends. It means so much and it helps the show get around the world. So we will see you next week. Have a great week, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.